I'm Paul DeGarabedian, Senior Media Analyst for Comscore, and I'm thrilled today to have Rodney Rinks, otherwise known as Tutty, on the program to talk about his new movie, Made in Mexico. Tutty, welcome to the show. Thank you, Paul, for having me. You know, we go back a little ways. We do. We do. Let's talk about that for a quick second. So I used to go on Extra with Mario Lopez to talk about box office, and that's how we met. You yeah. were always there behind the scenes, making sure everything went smoothly. And you always made me feel so comfortable, just great working with you. And that's years ago we started. Oh, years ago. And then I put, I did a web series, remember that? And, and I had a little part for you. You were the date with Alina, set you up. That's was- right. I was in that mini series as well. So we have a history here, which is so great. But we're here to talk about your new movie, called Made in Mexico. So let's talk about that. Let's tell the audience what the movie's about and how what inspired you to make this movie. And I saw it last night, I loved it. And you're a great actor, by the way, my friend. I had no idea. Oh, you're thanks, really, buddy. really good. I'm not just saying that, really good. You steal the movie, I gotta say. Oh, up against Lilo Broncado, those are big words, Paulie. Big deal, and we'll get to Lilo Broncado for sure. But yeah, tell me about how you decided to make this movie, what inspired you to make it, and uh, what that process was like. As you know, we're, we're like neighbors too, coincidentally. We live out in the same area, Hollywood area, and moved out to the suburbs. My wife got pregnant with twins, and we had a little boy, and it was all kind of quick. We get And we get out there, and you know, I just kind of wasn't really like a suburban guy. I started thinking of, because I've been writing my whole life. I've been writing and acting and, you know, it's it's like in the movie, it doesn't happen overnight. And if it does, it's not worth it and it goes away. Right. So you really got to like hone your craft and your skills. So, you know, I've been writing multiple scripts. I had one with Dean Martin involved, the actually his estate and had some good people I just couldn't put together. So eventually I just kind of said, you know what, I got to write something real familiar. I got to write something that I could make in this day and age where, you know, you're shooting stuff on phones and you could, if you have a good story and you get decent actors in it, but your story is compelling, it's all about the content. So I went out and I just started doing things that are familiar with me uh, and read. I read a lot. I'm constantly looking for stories. I'm constantly looking for inspiration and ideas and stuff. So Made in Mexico is about a suburban dad who writes this modern day blockbuster and, you know, he's been at it for years and he finally breaks through and everybody's excited and he ends up getting it stolen and I don't want to give away too much of the film. No spoilers No here. spoilers, but he ends up getting involved with somebody he shouldn't get involved with in a world that he shouldn't be involved in and then he has to navigate his way through it, you know, and, and there's a lot of, you know, the it's about being rich. It's about like the theme, the stories about, you know, we chase things all our whole lives. Like we always aspire, which is great. We want something more. We're after something more and sometimes we forget about living Living in the present, you know, they're saying you got one foot in the past, one foot in the future, you're pissing on the present. You got to live for today. You got to live for the things that make you, quote unquote, a rich man. And to me, I have a family. I got kids. I I got a good life. You know, of course I want more. We all want more. Of course I want bigger and better. And so I don't know. I kept writing these stories and and these scripts. And and one day a buddy of mine, Steve Weiser, who's in the movie and you know him too. We drove out to Vegas and he has some business out there. On the way, he runs that hotel channel and he tells me, you know, write something 
that we could make, Tootie. Like, write something that we could make. And so I go, what if, you know, what if one of my scripts broke through? What if I wrote something and it became big and it just snowballed? I started coming up with ideas and it wasn't anything that I thought was going to happen, to be honest with you. It wasn't like the scripts I've written before where I've given them to producers or people and they read them and they like them and it goes down the line and this guy gets involved and this director and, and then it just kind of falls apart at the end. You know, this was something that was just a conversation between two buddies on a drive to Vegas, continued at the bar that night uh, as we're sitting at the bar eating dinner and he looks over at me at one point and Wiser, you know, he does well and he's got a lot of connections and I'd hit him up years ago for big money for movies and he looks over at me and he goes, when we get back to my house, I'm going to cut you a check. And I was going through some health issues at the time so I was, wasn't feeling too great so I was drinking a lot to kind of deal with right. the pain. He goes, I'm going to cut you a check and half that money I want you to go to the doctors, okay? Because you, you got to be somewhat top yep and the other half start this movie he goes i'm gonna put it on the hotel channel i'll make sure it gets up there but we have something here if you can go and do that so i went home and i wrote it and i gave it to him and he liked it and it just snowballed you know i just started uh i started i had just started the podcast too right around that time so we started talking about it and i i I came across lilo uh, i hadn't seen him in years and we started talking lilo broncado lilo broncado yeah i didn't know he was colombian i thought he was italian and he was adopted and I did too <laughs> so yeah it just kind of like one thing led to another and I don't know I saw him in that role and it was something unique and different that he had never done and I didn't have a lot of money you know I, I really only had you know I made the movie I shot the movie in six days for 20 grand I was going to ask you about that like the budget and the timeline you know some people fret and ruminate on a movie project for years and either it never gets done or it just takes forever to get it done. Yeah. You really like, you hit the ground running. It seems you had like this, in a sense, angel investor for real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he came in with some money and then I had to go to another buddy who came in with some money and then Lopez yeah. jumped on. Once the ball started rolling, like Lopez jumped on and he gave me some money. and he, Mario Lopez. Yeah, Mario Lopez. And it just, you know, I'd heard this in the past from other filmmakers, like when something takes off, it takes off. You got to be ready for the ride other things stale they die out they might pick up later on you know you know when something's moving and and this thing just started moving and there was really like you know we the the train was moving and we jumped on and and went for the ride and and you know where did you shoot the movie like was it it looks like it's all location shoot uh guerrilla filmmaking as is said in the movie about the movie within the movie yeah exactly I shot a lot at my house. I used my kids only because, you know, time was of the essence and we didn't have... A- and they don't charge a lot, right? The kids, they don't... <laughs> they, I mean, it was, you know, they gave me a break being their dad. Ironically, my I paid everybody. Everybody got paid. I paid them in cash, which, you know... Yeah, I like it. And it was better than some of the rates they've gotten in other films. You know, they were actors. They were my friends. Not all of them, but some of them were. Right. And they were, when I gave them the, the money... The kids are great in the film. One of them's at musical theater right now. He got the bug, so... Uh, oh, there you go. You know, I wanted to ask you though, Tuddy, there's a line in the movie that says, wealthy people want to be famous and famous people want to be wealthy. That just struck a chord. It's so true. This movie is not not even semi-autobiographical, but you're talking about a fish out of water story within a fish out of water story. So you're this suburban dad, really wants to be at the forefront of filmmaking, but you're out in the burbs and then you wind up in a situation without giving too much away. You're kind of in over your head yeah. because you want to make this movie so badly. You're willing to do whatever it takes and 
And by whatever it takes, I mean whatever it takes and work with whoever you need to to get it done, that passion for your movie. Also, too, my character, the opening line, he says, you know, he's talking about Hollywood. They're watching like a late night guy. And he says yeah. how, you know, Hollywood has just a, a bunch of crap. You know, he doesn't want to be known for crap. He wants his kids to look at his right. project and be like, you know, later on in life when he's dead and gone, he wants his kids to go, my dad made that movie. Right. And that's the that's like the most important thing to him in the beginning is that his kids yeah. are proud of him. His kids like look up to him. And obviously later on what he gets involved in and what he has to do isn't anything close to what, you know, what he would have wanted, but it ends up being right. the vehicle. You know, and again, I don't want to give too much away, but. And it does seem like much like this movie to make it, you did it really quickly and got it done. You got the money, you got the funding. Like you said, you have to act. You can't just sit on that for a year and then decide to do it, that that worked out very well. But within this movie, it's sort of like that too. You got to make this movie. And it's very interesting to see the interaction between the suburban dad played by you, Tuddy, yeah. and Lilo Roncato, who is really amazing in the movie. Do you want to talk about Lilo a little bit and what it was like to work with him, how you approached him? And, and uh, he's very uh, energetic and powerful in this movie. The guy was poised to be up there with DiCaprio on the top of our, you know, our age. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, you know, he fell into some, you know, he got involved in drugs and he's open about it now in, in yeah. his career and everything. And he ended up doing some time and he got out and he's just completely changed as a human being. Like I remember when he was, you know, like back in the day and he, he'll say it, he was an idiot. He was out of control and he was, you know, and when I saw him the first time at Extra, he was promoting a documentary that he was in called Wasted Talent, ironically, which was the theme of uh, Bronx Tale. Yeah, so art imitating life. He was just a different dude. He was, I could tell. And so we started talking, we exchanged numbers and he was just a good guy. And like I said, Mario had him on a podcast and he told his story. And, you know, I thought he was an Italian guy from uh, Hoboken and he says he, yeah. his real name is Sal Rodriguez. He's from Colombia. He was adopted when he was six months old. He's Italian. He was raised by Italians. You know, he was six months old. When he said that, I was like, wow, this guy is a Latino. It, he's Italian Latino. I mean, I was like, right. man, this is really interesting. Nobody really knows this. And so I didn't know that. I'm a film buff, as you know. Yeah. And of course, Bronx Tale, one of my favorite movies. And of yeah. course, the role of Collegial, which he played, was so yeah. great. And for a young actor to go toe to toe with De Niro and Chaz Palminteri and De Niro, it was just amazing. And this happens with a lot of young actors who are very successful or very famous at a very young age. It's a tragic but often repeated story in Hollywood. But it's so great. Great that he's changed. You told me a behind the scenes story where if you were on set and somebody needed Lilo's help, he would take the call and ask you, hey, can I go help this person on the phone, talk him off the ledge or whatever it was. Tell me a, a little bit about that. He is just that great of a guy. He would get a phone call prepping for a scene or even during the scene. And, you know, he was very professional. He's just a really good, good dude. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't a prima donna. He didn't need anything. I mean, I flew him out. I put him up, even the hotel, because I had to stay in the hotel that it, it wasn't the nicest place. And it was, I was wearing every hat you could possibly wear with the exception yeah. of like, I don't know. I did everything, but it's all good. You know, it's independent filmmaking. But he was just so gracious and humble and kind. And yeah, there was a couple times where I remember one specific time we were about to shoot and he looks over at me and he, I see him pick up his phone. He looks at it, he puts it down and then it rings again. He picks it up and he says, hey, um, 
is it all right, buddy? This guy's calling me and he's really not in a good place. And he's doing a lot. At this point, Lilo works for like an outreach program. And he works with addicts and people, mental health people and people who are hurting because he's been in that place. And that's partially why he keeps himself in such good shape because he wants to be an example to these guys and say, look, if I can come from there and turn my life around and, and be it, so can you. So he said, it's just a tough call. Is it all right? And I said, absolutely. So he went, took the call. 10, 15 minutes or whatever, came back, jumped into Chola and and killed it. I mean, talk about a redemption story for this actor who so many of us know and just have a a special place in our heart for that movie, A Bronx Tale. And it seemed like he was really enthusiastic just from his performance. It comes through the camera. Yeah. And maybe grateful just to be there and be a part of that. I'm sure he really appreciates. I mean, I think it's a situation where you're just kind of probably blown away that you have him on set. Having grown up with that movie, I know you, you're a big film buff, you know, Goodfellas, The Godfather, obviously Goodfellas for many reasons, and I'm sure people have already picked that up. But uh, I I love that. It must have been a real thrill for you and also for him as well. I got to be honest, like, because I was wearing so many hats, it kind of fit my character because I was stressed out. Paul, I was like, because I was, you know, I was co-directing, I was producing, but I, I was almost like micromanaging. And I had guys there helping me. My Uncle Paulie was there. My buddy Davey Dave was there. Like there were dudes helping me. But when you got a vision and you know exactly what you want, like I did the wardrobe, I did all that. I had somebody helping me like steam and do makeup and stuff like that. I knew exactly what I wanted and what I and how I wanted it. So I was, in a sense, micromanaging. These guys did help me, but it was almost like... It's still on you, though. It's still on me. So when I would get it, and I wrote the script, so I knew it. So when I would have to sit down with Lilo and do a scene, it was almost like... I was so already scatterbrained. So you were frazzled. So it wasn't method acting. I mean, in a way, maybe it was, because you're living that role literally on set. Roll camera. You're already like... What, what yeah. the hell is the pizza here? Did we get the vegetarian <laughs> or is it not? Action. Okay, so <laughs> wardrobe next. <laughs> is he wearing the right thing? No, he's not changing. Continuity. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was it was a great experience. And then the other actors were great. Where did they all come from? Uh, again, I assume friends, family, and and others who Yeah, to be you involved. know, um the guy who played my manager was uh John Fitzgerald. He's a producer, and I knew he was just a character. I've known him for a long time, and he's a character, and so I heard recently that he started getting into acting. And I always kind of knew back in the 2000s when I first met him. And I just knew this guy was like, he had something to him. So I called him up and I said, hey, man, I can't pay you a lot, but I could pay you something. And I'm doing this little movie. And he was like, yeah. And then the girl who played my wife, I knew her from years ago. She was an actress. So I needed somebody who could resemble kind of like my wife because of the kids. So asked her and she was like cool my henchmen were all guys that i know uh the guy <laughs> monstro the or uh, the big guy monstro yeah he was de la hoya's bodyguards Fun, funny story the other guy lobo the one who asked for the 50 grand he's a yeah. good friend he he was an ex-cop and he's not an actor i put him in this short film i did and he did a good job i just needed like somebody with his look and yeah. so uh he's always been there for me and he and i said dude you're gonna be in this and he was like oh he wanted me to cast Caesar, the guy who played the big guy. And yeah. so I go, ah, dude, I don't know, you know, and he goes, trust me, when you make, when you see this guy, you know, he's an ex-cop, but he's also trying to get into acting. He goes, is Oscar De La Hoya's bodyguard? So I said, okay. Anthony tells me, uh, I'm going to tell Caesar about you. He goes, you got to go talk to him, you know, and I go, dude, okay. Cut to a month or so later, I'm at a fight with Lopez and I see Caesar. He sticks out. He's like six, five or whatever, 300 yeah. pounds. He's a big dude. So I walk over and I go, hey, man. 
And he turns and he goes, yeah. I go, um, I heard you like to hurt people. And he's like, what? Because, <laughs> you know, I go, no, I'm, I'm Tutty. I'm Anthony's buddy. I'm making the movie Made in Mexico. And he totally changed. He's like, oh, what's that? So, yeah, he was Davy Dave, the other guy. He's a buddy of mine. He's an actor. I, he said, I didn't have much for him. I had that. So it was almost like all these little parts. Uh, and again, like when you make a movie like this to be made, like if you're going to make it yourself, and you yeah. you got to come up with a good story and you got to like utilize your resources. I shot at my house. I shot at Weiser's house. That was Ochoa's house. You know, I did a lot of guerrilla stuff in terms of like, you know, parking lots or, or streets <laughs> or wherever I can go. And my crew was small. I had an audio guy. I had a camera op, obviously, that was mobile. And he had a couple of lights and Ron yeah. Lee co-directed with me. Yeah, let's talk about Ron Lee real quick. I know I've known Ron Lee for forever. Tell, yeah. tell us about Ron Lee. Ron Lee's just a really good dude. He's a solid dude. He's been, him and I have been working together a long time and I appreciate him a lot. You know, when I came up with this, I'm more of a writer. Uh, Ron Lee's a director. Uh, he's got a great eye for, for shots and setups and stuff like that. So when I decided to make this, I said, hey man, I'm going to need help. Like I'm going to need, I want to direct it. I need to get my feet wet in that space. But, yeah. you know. Let's. Are you down to co-direct it with me? And he said, "Yeah, absolutely." So he was a very important part of this puzzle because you know I was in a lot of those scenes and I can't constantly run to the monitor and right. you know, especially when time is of the essence and we're. Trying well, that's a, you know the the notion of a co-director in a sense I think is really makes sense for a movie like this because you're yeah. doing you're like you said wearing a lot of hats and to have someone like Ron Lee there to to be there is your second set of eyes and ears and. And kind yeah. of vibing off what's going on. And he, I know Ron Lee, he's a student of film as well. I mean, when I would come to Extra, I'd stay there for an extra hour just talking to him about movies, you know, talking to Ron Lee about movies. So it's got to be really exciting for you both to work together and then with all your your friends. And, you know, we're, we're going to wrap up here in a, in a couple of minutes. But I, I want to ask you, A, where can people see Made in Mexico? And uh, what are you doing? What's next on the, on the docket? We can see it on uh, uh, Amazon Prime, Apple, iTunes, Vudu, Xbox, Google Play for now. And then yeah. I think it's going to go. We ended up getting distributed by 1091, which is uh, which is a distribution company. And they do a lot of AVODs, too. So I think it's going to end right. up going also too, to like Tubi and some of these other ones. Peacock, I heard. So, yeah. But right now, Amazon, iTunes, Apple, Google and Play. It, just to let people know, I don't want to give away too much, but it's. It's a very, it's funny. It's heartwarming. At the end, it's very uplifting. This is, this kind of movie could go either way. It could be very dark. I mean, when you have a filmmaker getting involved with somebody in crime, that can go a variety of ways, as we've seen in many movies. But in this one, it's unique because it's ultimately redemptive. And actually, at the end, it's very uplifting and fun. It's a comedy and you pull it off really well. You and your team have done a great job. I really commend you on, on Made in Mexico. And I think, it's an inspiration for filmmakers to see what you did. And again, with that budget and how quickly you shot it, it's a real movie. I have to yeah. say, the production values are great. I'm sure you've talked about there's places where you have to cut corners. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do within the budget. You don't have an unlimited bank, you know, a check, just a blank check. So I, I think that's great, Tuddy. I'm so excited for you for Made in Mexico. The one of the most important things, if I could say, and in, in yeah. this goes for like, I think any creative project you're working on, but especially independence, you've got to be collaborative. Like Ron Lee's good because he's collaborative. Like we're both collaborative. 
Weiser's a collaborative guy. Uh, Rich Alarcon, I could, my editor, I couldn't have done it without him. Like, you know, Rich came on board. I, I got really lucky because the pandemic hit. I went to Rich right before the pandemic to help me with the first 20 minutes. And right. he ended up cutting the entire movie. I couldn't pay him. Like, I paid him for that yeah. first initial. But the only good thing about the pandemic for me was that I got Rich Alarcon as a partner. And he came on board. He cut that movie. And he and him and I, you know, I let him go. I said, he started cutting. I liked what he was doing. It was all there. And he was like, bro, I'm just going to go. I said, Rich, I can't pay you. I, you know, but he said, I want to, I want to be a producer. I want to work together in the future. I said, done. Editing is more than half the battle I feel. And it's addicting. Once you get in that, and I've done it, nothing, <laughs> nothing at this level, but even just a small project, you just get like, it's infectious. It's sort of like a, an addicting that you want to just keep editing. So, but that was really great of him to do that because Without an edit, you don't have a movie, right? You have just raw footage. I mean, we had, the, you know, it was cut and it just wasn't like Rich came in and gave it that little extra, you know what I mean? He he yeah. he, he collaborated. He came in with like, like Ron Lee came in with his stuff. Uh, Weiser came in with his stuff. Rich came in with his stuff. Our music people came in. I was going to ask you, the music's terrific in the movie. That's really important too, to have great music. It sets the tone of the piece. Yeah, and, and Rich really helped us that because we were kind of like, you know, I use B-Side Players, which is a band out of Chula Vista. So I tried to keep it really Latino and kind of like towards, yeah. uh, you know, Rich is from, ironically, the same area I'm from. Um, so I, he he got it, too. That was the other thing. Like, when he started cutting it, he got the comedy. Well, you know what's funny when you say that? I mean, definitely uh, all the actors are so authentic. But even for someone who isn't Latino, it's the themes are universal. Yes, that's what I love about it because I can relate to everything. I think most people could relate to this uh, story and particularly filmmakers who are also dads and husbands and, and all that and, and wives as well who want to do that kind of thing. Like, it, especially in this town, people want to be in the movies. And also, of course, you need that assistance and collaboration from all these people. Of course, Mario Lopez Definitely somebody in your camp, in your corner for many years. He's a producer on, on the movie Made in Mexico, and it's so good. I'm so happy for you. Thank you, Paul. Uh, the only problem now is, like, my game can't go down. I can only step up. So, like, all my scripts I've written, Weiser, who's, you know, he reads them, and he goes, no, on this one. This could have been done before Made in Mexico. Now you got to, like, so it's, it's going to be Oh, tough. wow, that's really interesting. It's like... This is your Citizen Kane, man. <laughs> you gotta go. You can only go up. <laughs> or, or, you know, you, you now have a standard that you have to adhere to. That's really smart, though, to have people who aren't just gonna tell you what you wanna hear, but are honest with you. I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah, bud. All right. Well, Tuddy, Rod Rinks, my friend, made in Mexico, wherever records and tapes are sold, you can see this movie. <laughs> And it's so cool, and I'm so happy for you. Best of luck, and I look forward to your future projects. You're always welcome here on my podcast, uh, Mini Screens, Big Picture. So I'm Paul DeGarabedian, Senior Media Analyst for ComScore. <laughs> so happy to have you here, Rodney, and uh, I appreciate Tutty. I always just call you. That's okay. Call me whatever you want, Polly. We're boys. All right, we're like that. All right, man. Well, I'll see you soon, and have a great week. Thank you, buddy. You too. See you at the movies. Thank you.